preaching is very prominent in the gospel today and in the New Testament in the letter from St. Paul. And as a Dominican, as a Dominican priest, I'm a member of the Order of Preachers, and I suppose I should begin this homily with a confession. Um, I don't really like preaching homilies. Now you might be thinking, what a coincidence. We don't like listening to them. But here we are. So, um, but I think actually one of the the reasons that I I don't like homilies, giving them or listening to them, is because I heard so many vapid ones growing up, and I just trained myself that when the homily was going to start, I would automatically just tune out, and and I wouldn't listen. <laughs> I see all these heads nodding. Um, automatically tune out and. And just, just wouldn't listen. Now, that wasn't the, the best policy. I'm sure there, there were some real nuggets there I could have gotten if I, if I had you know, put in the effort. Um, but the effort just it didn't seem worth it. And this is kind of a big problem because St. Paul in Romans chapter 10 says that faith comes through what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preaching of Christ. And if you're not listening, hmm. But as I, as I look back, I, I think, honestly, one of the reasons that I didn't listen much as a child to, to homilies um, is because I had a very happy childhood. And, and so, I, I, it may seem strange, but I, I want to talk today about the connection between suffering and preaching and receiving preaching. And yeah, as I said, you know, I was, I was a very happy kid. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a house, you know, we, we never wanted for anything, you know, and more than that, you know, I, I knew that I was deeply loved by my parents. And that was, that was very obvious, you know, and had friends and family and, you know, it, it was just, it was a beautiful way, uh, a beautiful way to grow up. And I didn't... I guess in one sense, feel like I needed sort of much more. And if you don't feel in need, well, you're not going to search and look for that. That's something more. That's something else. And so I think, I think suffering is one of the things that really opens us up to the gospel. And that's the importance of our first reading today. We hear a lot about preaching in the New Testament and in the gospel, but in the first reading, we don't hear, we don't hear anything about preaching. We just hear about suffering. I want to read this first reading again. It's short and, and I think very powerful. Is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery, and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I arise, the night drags on. I'm filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. And we might want to dismiss Job as being a bit melodramatic or just having a bad day. You know, we all have bad days. But... I think in one sense that's the point. We all have bad days. We all suffer, and sometimes those bad days multiply. And sometimes the bad days are really bad days. And as we you know, sort of look around at our, 
at our country, and you know, we hear a lot about the mental health crisis. What what those you know those words mean is what a lot of people are having a lot of bad days in a row. You know, a lot of depression, anxiety, uh, drug abuse, um, suicide, and that points to a real sort of unhappiness in our hearts. And even though the Book of Job, I think, was written about 2,900 years ago, 3,000 years ago. Um, it's still something that people can identify with, we can identify with. Because the essential problems of life don't change. Sin, suffering, and death. And that's, that's the world that, that we have to reckon with. And it pops up all the time and, and you know, can take various forms in each person's life and countries and eras and all this sort of thing. But it all comes back to that, even in fantasy worlds. You know, look at Harry Potter. What are the three unforgivable curses? The killing curse, death, the imperious curse, where you control people with their desires, sin, and Cruciatus curse, the torture curse, pain. It's always the same. It's always the same. And I think it's, it's in the midst of suffering that we really understand how much we need and we have a desire for something else and something more. And I think those are the times when God is perhaps most able to speak to us. Not, becomes, not because he becomes more powerful or more loquacious, but I think just because we're more ready to listen. So what does that, what does that mean um, to listen? I think one way to, to listen is to really give meaningful time and effort to prayer. And if you notice, that's what actually what it pops up here in the gospel. You know, Jesus is curing all these people, and you know they're they're suffering, and and so they come to him. You know, notice they're suffering, and so that prompts them to go seek out Jesus and and seek his healing. And he does all these you know wonderful miracles for them. And then what what happens? Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Jesus prays. You know, he prays the night before his passion to his heavenly Father. He prays before the resurrection of Lazarus. But he says in that time, you know, Father, I know that you always hear me, but I pray for those around so that they may believe. So when Jesus goes off to pray, it's not because he needs it. It's because we need to see him do it. And if, if Jesus takes time to pray in his busy life as the Son of God on earth, you know, who of us can say, ah, I don't need that. I'll do it tomorrow. Jesus prayed. And so if he's doing that as an example for us, we need, we need to follow Now, one of the things that I, I hear sort of most often in uh, talking to people about prayer is distraction. And I think it's actually almost more of an issue sort of the more devout you are, the, the, the deeper you get into the spiritual life, I think the, the more you'll maybe in a sense start to notice it, or the more it'll happen. And one of the things in talking to a lot of people about their, their prayer life and distraction in prayer, one of the things that I've 
noticed in asking people, well, what are you distracted by? Is that when they answer, I think to myself, oftentimes, well, that's probably the thing you need to pray about. The distraction is not a distraction. It's the thing that God is bringing up from the depths of your soul so you can talk to him about it. And that should make sense in a way if you're, if you're, if you're taking time to be intentional, like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to God who is truth itself, who is reality itself. Well, what's going to happen? That it's going to reveal the truth and the reality of who we are and what's going on in our lives. And that's going to bubble up to the surface. And, and I know sometimes in talking to people, they, they can be very troubled because sometimes what comes up in, you know, in their intentional time of prayer is perhaps doubts that they have or temptations. You know? And it, it's very disconcerting. It's like, oh, this is, this is my Jesus time. You know? We shouldn't have any of this stuff here. But that's not true. I think it's because prayer is that the phrase safe space where these things can come up because in it's safe because there is someone there who supremely loves us and can actually help us deal with these things that we cannot conquer on our own and so I think oftentimes really good prayer is precisely about the things that we're distracted by you know sometimes even things like you know your, your shopping list comes up in your head Maybe that's something to pay attention to. There's a lot of great prayer you can do with your shopping list. Maybe it tells you, it tells you that you're, you're thinking so much about the things of life that you don't actually bring to prayer, even little tasks of shopping and you know, getting things done. Maybe it's you're not dealing with feeling overwhelmed you know, and your mind is always racing and you're not bringing all of these things to the Lord. Maybe it's an opportunity to be thankful for these things. You know, that, oh, I, I have food. I have a whole list of stuff and I know I have enough money to get it and... Oh, Thank you, God. So there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of great praying you can do, even with your shopping list. Even things as sort of seemingly meaningless as that. But the point is, we have to bring our hearts to prayer. And then, what follows from that? Well, Jesus gives us things because he loves us. But he also gives us things because he wants us to love others and to share what we've received. And this is where preaching comes in. Now, there's a, a, a certain kind of preaching, you know, sort of the office of preaching that I have as a priest. It's, you know, literally in the job description. It's actually the first task the church assigns for priests, which is the preaching of the word. It's the first job of a priest. And uh, I love a quote from, from Blessed Humbert of Romans, who was the, the fourth successor of St. Dominic as master of the order, uh, the Dominicans. And he said, how necessary is the office of preaching without which the human heart would not rise to the hope of heaven. So there is a, a role for that kind of official preaching in, in the church. But every baptized Christian shares in the ministry of Jesus as priest, prophet, and king. And that pro prophetic office or job means sharing God's word with others. And so what are the, you know, what's the right time to do it? Well, for me, again, it's part of my job. I know at about 4.15 Sunday evening, that's the time I get to do it, at least. Um, but I think 
for myself included and for all of you, it means in your daily life, in, in God's providential ordering of your life and the people He puts into your life, in all those situations, there are opportunities to speak. Oh, what do I say? When is the right time? Well, if you've been faithful to prayer, if you've been faithful to letting, to letting Jesus speak to you, you'll have some experience of, of what it looks like in talking to someone else. St. Paul talks about that too, that you know, we, we share uh, with others the consolation that we ourselves have received. And I think that's how preaching works in ordinary life, that when you suffer and you allow Jesus to be with you in your suffering, you have something and experience and words and hope that you can give to someone else when they're suffering. And it doesn't just give us the words, but I think it gives us the ability to recognize when people need to hear something. But the foundation for all of that is prayer. Now Lent is almost upon us, starting in 10 days. And the church commends to us, uh, and scripture, uh, the practice of uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And the first of those is prayer. So in terms of what you need in your own spiritual life and what Jesus wants to give you, and I don't know. But I think this is a good time to think about it. So I invite you to close your eyes and to simply now in your hearts to ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, what is it that you want to do with my prayer life for Lent? Lent. 